Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Good morning from a sister international church on the other side of KL here in Mount Kiara. I was looking at the calendar and if I added it up correctly, I believe this Sunday is the 45th week that our congregations now have not been able to gather physically as we normally used to. 45 weeks, going on two years. That's a long time. How can we faithfully be the church when we can't even meet? I'd like us to consider this morning how the church loves one another from a distance. Now, I'm sure that your church has explored many ways of doing that over the last 10 months. What I want to do this morning is actually share with you a a modified sermon that I gave way back last March at the start of the very first MCO. As I was looking through this passage and my notes again this week, it it was an encouragement and a reminder to me for our church here in Mount Chiara. I pray it will be an encouragement for you as well. I think we find counsel from the Apostle Paul, uh, particularly in the book of Philippians, about how to love one another as a church from a distance. Uh, Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter, prison in Rome, uh, roughly around the year 60-61 A.D., He's writing to the church that he helped found in Philippi. Philippi was in Macedonia, uh, the region of northern Greece. Paul had helped found the church about 10 or 12 years earlier. Uh, We read of that historically from the book of Acts chapter 16. And as we read through this letter he wrote, we find the church in Philippi was a pretty healthy church. They had established leaders Uh, They were a generous church. Several places in Scripture we see them giving financially, including right now when Paul was in Rome. The church in Philippi had had heard that Paul was in jail. They're concerned about him. And so what they had done is they sent a financial gift to Paul in Rome along with one of their church members to care for him. We get this background if we start in Philippians chapter 4. Notice a few verses that give us this setting. Chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Or verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And then verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So a member of the church in Philippi, Epaphroditus, was sent to Paul in Rome, and and then he just stayed there, helping to care for Paul while Paul was under house arrest. And as we are going to see, this same Epaphroditus is the one that Paul sends back to Philippi with this letter that God led him to write. And so in some ways, we could say that the letter to the Philippians is a, a thank you note. Even more so, it's a, a letter of positive encouragement for this church. Paul sensed that they had been discouraged, discouraged that he was in prison. And so he's updating them on on his situation. 
But then the main way that Paul encourages this church is by reminding them of the gospel, of what Jesus had done for them. And thus the letter of Philippians calls them, despite whatever persecution Paul was facing, whatever persecution they might be facing, to rejoice, to find joy in the Lord regardless of life situations. Now, the passage I want us to particularly look at this morning, I think is fascinating. In the midst of the important doctrinal section of chapter 2 and the application of chapter 3, the call to know and follow Christ, the last 12 verses of Philippians chapter 2 explains in detail how Paul was going to be sending two of his co-workers to Philippi. And from these instructions, I think we find guidance of how we as a church, how you harvest KL, can be loving one another even from a distance. Would you hear the word of God? Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So Paul wants to come to the church in Philippi. Obviously, he can't. He's a prisoner. So, so instead, we see verse 19. He plans to send Timothy to them as his representative. We find a couple of reasons for these plans. In verse 20, he's concerned about the well-being of the church. And so Timothy will help and assist the growth of these Christ followers. Also, verse 19, Paul is doing this for his own joy. He's burdened for this church. He cares for them. Now, I think we can assume that the church in Philippi would have preferred that Paul himself show up, not just send his assistants. And so uh, Paul assures them of the blessing that Timothy will be. He assures them of Timothy's character, that Timothy is trustworthy. He says in verse 20, there's no one like him. He will be genuinely concerned for your faith. Verse 22, he mentions how Timothy has proven himself in gospel work, and Paul even says how personally thankful he is that Timothy's like a son to him. When you read here the way Paul describes Timothy, does, does it make you think of any fellow church member? Maybe one of your leaders? It makes me think of members of our church. I thank God for faithful men and women who serve his church, like Timothy has been doing here with Paul. And so we see Paul at a distance with this goal to be loving and caring for the church in Philippi. He can't come yet. He's under MCO. But hopefully he'll be sending Timothy soon. Uh, not quite yet. Uh, apparently, Timothy was still wrapping up some responsibilities there. Not quite yet, Timothy. And so, in the meantime, uh, to love this church from a distance, Paul writes this letter. And he sends it back to them by Epaphroditus. That's the second half of our passage for this morning. Listen, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. 
Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Why does Paul give this explanation in such detail? Well, again, we see he's concerned with the well-being of this church, this church that's also concerned with his well-being. The church had heard that Epaphroditus was sick. They were worried for him. They were worried for Paul. And so Paul wants to encourage them with this clarification. Yes, Epaphroditus had been very sick, but he's okay now. See for yourself. Here he is as the letter carrier. There was also a practical reason then for this explanation. It seems that the plan had been that Epaphroditus was supposed to stay in Rome indefinitely as the representative from Philippi caring for Paul. But, but if Paul has sent Epaphroditus back, the church might misunderstand. They might think Epaphroditus hadn't served well, that Paul wasn't pleased with him, that, that he had failed at his task. And so Paul just makes it so clear in these verses that is not the case. Look at the kind of affirmation he gives for Epaphroditus in verse 25. He calls him my brother. They were family in Christ. He calls them a fellow worker. They had been partners. There was a union and a fellowship in their ministry there. Paul takes it one step further. He calls Epaphroditus his fellow soldier. They had fought hard for Christ and the church. So much so, verse 30 says, Epaphroditus has almost died. Epaphroditus has been faithful, and yet he's got this love for his home church. And so he's been sent back, and, and there's no shame in that at all. Uh, should be the opposite, verse 29. There should be a, a joy with his return. Paul wants to make sure they honor him when he gets there. Again, I think we can make a similar observation as we did with Timothy. That from Paul's words here, it's proper for a church to notice, to thank, to affirm one another. As you see a brother or a sister faithfully loving and caring for your church family, it's proper to affirm them for it. So that's a quick overview of these 12 verses. An explanation of how Paul one day eventually hopes to come and pretty soon will send Timothy and an explanation of why Epaphroditus has just sent, come with the letter. And these detailed plans are put in the Bible, I think, as a model for how important relationships within the church must be. I think also for us an example of how we can care for one another from a distance. And that's why I think we can find relevant application from this during this long MCO period. So here are a few principles, a few applications I, I gleaned from this and elsewhere in the New Testament of how a church, of how Harvest KL can love one another from a distance. You're scattered. You can't be meeting physically right now. What does it look like to care for each other? Well, first of all, I think this passage calls us to have hearts that are burdened for one another. Now, I use the word burden in this sense. Let's imagine you've got a large bag, a heavy bag, slung over your shoulder, uh, tied around your shoulder. It's a big bag. And, and so wherever you go, you're aware of the bag. 
It's on your mind. Whatever activity you're doing, you can't forget the burden over your shoulder. And so also as believers, other members of our church, the needs of our congregation are to be on our minds. We're to be aware of it and be sympathetic with a heart to help. Clearly this describes Paul. If, if we turn back to chapter 1 here of Philippians and we read in verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Do you see the, the heart Paul has, the burden for this church? It's not just describing some natural human bond. It's great that we love our families, that we're close with them. No, it's something deeper and richer than that. It's a supernatural bond. It's the affection of Christ Jesus. The love that Christ has poured into our hearts is now to overflow in love for fellow believers in Christ. Paul is such a model for that. He loved believers like this, not just when he was nearby them, but even when they were far away. He still had them on his heart. Many other letters show this. Let me read one example. Colossians chapter 2, verse 5. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am still with you in spirit, Paul writes to them. So also for the church here in Philippi, it had been a few years since Paul had seen them, and yet he's still remembering them. Isn't that a great application for us as international churches? Think of the precious brothers and sisters who've come and, and gone out of your international church over the last few years. We find from Paul's example that we can still have them on our hearts. Not just a human affection, but this burden for their spiritual well-being even while we're apart from each other. But even more so, even more directly, uh, during this MCO period, once again, would, would you as a church so long for one another? God calls us to have a burden for each other in our churches, a, a conscious awareness, a love, and a concern for our church family. Now, if your congregation is anything like ours, I'm going to imagine that for some of you, this comes pretty easy. Some of you reflecting on these verses are just saying, God, I'm so thankful for Harvest KL. I rejoice at the relationships I have here that, that we share in our common salvation. And, and some of you are probably actively engaged in online ministries and, and have been so for the last 10 months. And to you, I would just encourage you, keep it up. That, that's how the church is supposed to be functioning. But I'm going to imagine there's others of you who have more of the mindset out of sight, out of mind. And maybe you haven't been too engaged with your church family in recent months. After all, you've got enough to worry about right now. Keeping your business afloat, keeping your family's health safe. I think for many of us, COVID has revealed just how insular and self-focused we often can be. Would God's word rebuke us for this? See, as, as believers, as the body of Christ, as a local church, Harvest KL, you are members of one another. And just as Jesus is always mindful of each of us as individual believers, we are called as a church to have hearts that are burdened 
for one another. That's one way that a church can love each other from a distance. Second way, make it a priority to see and hear each other. Paul writes a letter to the Christians here, but for Paul, sending a letter wasn't good enough. That's all he could do. He's stuck in prison. He made use of it, but he knew that just written communication wasn't ideal. So he says, I'm, I'm coming as, as soon as I can. And prior to me, I'll send Timothy so Timothy can see and hear you in the same place. And even now, as he does send this letter, he sends Epaphroditus too. Epaphroditus, who shared the same heart Paul had, we see here in verse 28 of our passage, Philippians chapter 2, that this church could rejoice at seeing him again, at being physically present. See, the early church knew how important it was to see and hear each other in the same physical place. Throughout Acts and other letters, we see how Christians were frequently traveling and visiting one another and showing hospitality to each other. Remember, the church in Philippi had, had first sent Epaphroditus to Paul. They, they saw how important it was for believers to see and hear one another. I want to briefly share a second story here in the New Testament that has many similarities to our, our passage. If you turn over briefly to 1 Thessalonians, Paul visited the church or the city of Thessalonica just after he had first visited Philippi. We read of how that church was founded in Acts 16. In Acts 17, he's in Thessalonica for another church to be started. And yet we read there that Paul had only been able to stay a few weeks in that city. Opposition had chased him out. And so shortly after, he wrote the letter 1 Thessalonians because he was very concerned for them. 1 Thessalonians, starting in chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, we read, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. Notice this repeated idea that Paul wanted to see them face to face. Letters were okay, but they were no replacement for proximity, physical proximity in ministry. And yet again, here for the church in Thessalonica, Paul was not able at that time to physically go. And so again, with his letter, he sent a representative. It was Timothy again in this situation, as we read in chapter 3, here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. Notice also then verse 5. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. Paul writes. So this was a regular pattern for the Apostle Paul. He had this, this burden, this, this priority for personal contact with the churches. In fact, this second story continues by telling after Timothy had taken the letter, uh, he comes back. And we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. 
For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face. This is Paul's heart. Why does he want to see them face to face? To supply what is lacking in their faith. Then he prays, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And with this report, we see that this wasn't just Paul's desire. The church in Thessalonica had the same commitment. We read in verse 6, they long to see him as he longs to see them. So let's just consider, uh, why was it that for Paul, sending a letter was not enough? Well, consider those of you who have family members living in another country right now, or living in a place where you cannot physically gather. Uh, we're definitely thankful for video calls for Zoom and Skype and Messenger and other such means of seeing with each other on the screen. And yet it's not the same thing, is it? It's not the same thing as being able to touch your grandchild, to be in the, the same room holding your loved one. There's a reason for that. It's that our bodies are not optional. Our bodies are not dispensable. Meaning, God did not create humans as spirits that were just contained in bodies. No, he created us as a unified whole, body, soul, and spirit. That's why at the end of this age, when Jesus returns, uh, bodies will be resurrected, and God's people will be given new and glorified bodies. For all eternities, we will exist in a physical form. See, our very existence, our very being, is intricately connected to physical presence. Paul knew that. And that's why he knew that, that letters weren't enough. He so wanted to be in the same room seeing and hearing from other believers. Now, I think if Paul could have known what we have today in the 21st century, he would have been really jealous of Zoom and Facebook we have it much better than just sending written letters. And so I encourage you, if, if you're growing weary from online church gatherings, uh, let's take advantage of these amazing opportunities we do have. We, we can still see a, an image on a screen. We can still hear audibly through online technology. And, and these are helpful ways uh, to, to keep one another on each other's hearts and minds. And yet I hope that, that as we're just viewing each other from a distance through a screen, that each one of you are looking forward with anticipation to physically being in the same room as a church family, where you can greet one another with handshakes, where you can hug one another's children, where you can stand next to a brother or sister from another country and, and hear them singing praises to Jesus, where you can eat the bread and drink the cup of communion sitting side by side where you can celebrate water baptism in the same venue at the same time. Church of Harvest KL, may, may you not get comfortable staying at home looking at a screen for your spiritual feeding. Uh, what you're doing this morning, what we've been doing for 45 weeks now, is not the church, not in its fullest sense. The church, as the gathered people of God, needs physical presence. 
And I say that not just as my personal preference, but from strong theological conviction. I mean, just consider the gospel. As much as we love the Bible, the Bible's not the gospel. Uh, the Bible records the gospel for us. Uh, but ultimately, Jesus is the gospel. And, and to save us, God didn't just send us a book. God didn't just create a YouTube channel. No, to save us, he sent us his son. E Eternal deity took on human form so that we could see and hear and touch God physically present on earth. Right here in Philippians chapter 2, our original passage this morning, Philippians chapter 2, if you look up at verse 6, we see this description. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Why did he take on a physical form? Hear the good news. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In order to free us from our sin, in order to be our substitute and take our punishment upon himself, Jesus had to physically come to us. He had to physically die and physically rise again from the tomb, declaring that we could be restored. And friends, this same Jesus is physically coming back one day. If you've trusted in him, if you've turned from your sins, this is the best news we can hear. Better news than a powerful vaccine defeating coronavirus is that Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new and we will have a, a perfect physical new earth and we will be with him physically. But this news is also a warning for when Jesus comes back physically, he'll also be judge. And for all who've resisted him, for those of you listening right now who are choosing to continue to follow your own path rather than bowing before Jesus as your Lord, for anyone who continues to just live for self and not for your creator, be warned, Jesus the judge will physically be returning. And when he does, for all who have rejected his lordship, there is a physical place of eternal judgment, hell, that is waiting for all who reject the glorious gospel of Jesus. I would urge you this morning, come to this God who sent his son to be with us. Turn to him in faith. What good news we've just considered because Jesus physically died for us. All of us who love and trust him are spared from the physical judgment we deserve. Physical bodies matter. Physical bodies at the center of the gospel as we've just considered. And that's one way we love each other as a church family. One way Harvest KL can care for one another is by making it a priority to see and hear each other. Third way. Third way you can love one another from a distance is by taking the initiative to meet each other's needs. We saw how Paul modeled this 
He's sending Epaphroditus. He's going to send Timothy to care for the church. And yet we read a verse here that not all Christians were acting like this. Notice the contrast here in Philippians 2, verse 20. For I have no one like him, Epaphroditus, uh, excuse me, this is Timothy. I have no one like him, Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. There are Christians who aren't concerned about meeting each other's needs. And yet that's the exact opposite of what a Christ follower is to be. We're to be following the model of Jesus who, look up at verse 4 here of Philippians 2, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We're called to be meeting each other's needs. And that's our calling, even when we're at a distance. Remember, Paul was about 100 kilometers away in jail, and he's still thinking about the needs of this church. And so, also, God is calling us isolated, quarantined in our homes, to be thinking, what, what kind of needs can I be meeting? Just observing these passages we've looked at, I, I see a few kinds of needs. There's relational needs. Paul knows these people were anxious, and, and Epaphroditus was as well. He, he wants to ease their fears. He's concerned they, they not be misunderstanding why Epaphroditus comes back. He, he's concerned that Epaphroditus not feel shame. He wants him to be honored. Uh, Paul seeks to meet relational needs. Uh, primarily, we see Paul wants to meet spiritual needs. So he's teaching them with this letter. He's sending teachers to them. He senses they're discouraged. It's, it's hard to rejoice in Christ during hard times. So he's seeking to strengthen their spiritual lives, helping them to carry on. Then we also see physical needs being met in our passage. Right? The church at Philippi had, had sent finances to care for Paul in prison. Before Paul was in prison, he had been raising funds for them to care for the poor back in Jerusalem. There was a Serious sickness here of Epaphroditus, and apparently Paul had been caring for him. So, so Paul was intentional about relational, spiritual, and, and physical needs, and just taking those examples, let's consider for your congregation. How can you be taking the initiative to meet each other's needs going into week 46? Relationally, to whom could you send an, an encouraging note or a gift this week? to show them you care. Maybe you were better about being intentional like that at the start, back last April and, and May. Maybe you kind of stopped. How can you take the initiative to meet relational needs, spiritual needs? I encourage you, keep investing in the online meetings, the online ministries of your church. We know that's not ideal. We know it's not the same thing as being in the same room. But God's truth is still being shared. And God's spirit is still at work. Uh, take the initiative to make the most of the things your leadership in your church are doing online right now. And then how can you take the initiative to meet physical needs? Who in your congregation is sick, can't be caring for themselves right now, have financial needs? And, and as you take the initiative to meet the needs within Harvest KL, uh, I encourage you to be looking beyond your church uh, to the Ampong and greater KL area considering those who've lost their jobs and are in need of finances. 
Remember, when MCO first started, there was a believer in our condominium who put, us to, put a, a sign up on the notice board offering to provide any kind of help for residents in need. I know another Christian who spoke to a shop owner, the little mini-mart there in our condominium, and offered to pay groceries if there were residents who were going into debt just trying to put food on the table. Consider Christian organizations. Uh, I highly recommend a group like El Shaddai doing much-needed ministry right now for the migrants and for the poor and consider giving to important works like this. Again, maybe back in April as an individual or as a church, you were, you were more focused on being intentional in these ways than you are now. And If so, this passage is a reminder to us there are clear ways we can be modeling the grace of Jesus from a distance. How can you, Harvest Scale, be loving one another? During MCO, by, by having hearts that are burdened for each other, by making it a priority to see and hear each other, by taking the initiative to meet each other's needs, and then finally, by being devoted to meet, to pray for, to pray with one another. We love each other from a distance by being devoted to prayer. Now, I know one of the easiest things for us as churchgoers to say is, uh, I will pray for you. But are we truly seeking the Lord for each other during this tough year? There's a few examples of things we can be praying for, again, from what we've looked at this morning. Uh, first of all, uh, we can be praying for deliverance. If you look back at chapter 1, verse 19, Paul says this, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul's speaking that he'd be delivered from jail. I think from this we can turn and say, let's pray that God will deliver us from this global pandemic. That's a way we can be praying for and with each other. Uh, we also see an example we can be praying for mercy on the sick. Back in chapter 2, verse 27, speaking of Epaphroditus, Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Down in verse 30, we see he had almost died. Uh, reflecting on this, I, I find it interesting. In, in several other places, particularly in the book of Acts, there's other times that, that God used Paul for miraculous healing. As an apostle, Paul had this gift and authority to heal the sick, and yet not in this case. Rather, with Epaphroditus, we have a picture of Paul waiting, praying, hoping, and then, yes, God mercifully sparing him. Of course, we, we know that in this life, the, the mercy of physical healing is not always given by God. Until Jesus returns, physical death is certain. We know all that too well this last year as Christians here in KL, Christians throughout the world have grieved over loved ones who have died from the coronavirus. Yet we grieve with hope with hope knowing that a, a greater mercy than physical healing has been given to us, the mercy of eternal salvation. And it's still, uh, this earthly life is a gift. It's proper then to pray for mercy on the sick. But then as we pray for physical needs of each other, more important, I encourage you to love one another by praying for eternal matters, by praying for each other's spiritual lives in Christ. 
all over Philippians, if you just skim through it, Paul's main concern is that these Christians would know Jesus and would live faithfully during difficult times. And so I want to encourage you, Harvest KL family, 45 weeks into this MCO, uh, particularly now that you're in a, in a transition between senior pastors, I encourage you to be praying for your church. Be praying for one another that you will be honoring Jesus with your faith during this time. That as individuals in a congregation, you will be growing in holiness. Keep praying for your church family. Keep praying for this nation that many in our great city will come to Jesus during this trying, trying year. Paul prays for deliverance. He prays for mercy. He prays for spiritual lives. We can pray for all of those as a way to love each other. But finally, Paul also prays for what we can pray for, that we can meet together soon. Back to the second story we referenced in 1 Thessalonians 3. It ends in this way, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. As we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. I've been praying this for our congregation for 10 months now. God's heard these prayers, and yet he's keeping us waiting, along with many churches around the globe. Let's keep praying for this gift, that our churches can physically gather again. And we pray that again, not based on preference to be with people, but based on proper theology. Physical presence matters. And so I encourage you, Harvest KL, keep interceding to our gracious Lord that you soon can gather in physical meetings as a church. And until then, by the grace of our Lord Jesus, would you be loving one another from a distance? Let me pray for you. Lord, we praise you that you are sovereign and you're building your church. And I ask right now for Harvest KL that you would bless and encourage and strengthen them. Lord, I ask that you would take your word and give fresh encouragement, fresh hope, fresh ideas, both to the leaders and members of a, as a whole of ways that they can be loving and caring for each other, as well as for their community during this hard time. Jesus, we praise you that you came to this earth physically and were present with us. And we praise you that you've given us your spirit. So even when we are stuck in our separate homes, there is a bond of unity that your spirit gives us. So Lord, I ask that your word would take root and grow. You would bless the Harvest Church family as they reflect on what they've heard from your word this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.